It's the Kim Munson Show, analyzing the most important stories. That seems to me like government is establishing a religion. The latest in politics and world affairs. If you give people rights, women's rights, gay rights, whatever, there can't be equal rights if there's special rights. Today's current opinions and ideas. Surveys show that, that people still really prefer freedom versus force. Is it freedom or is it force? Let's have a conversation. Indeed. Let's have a conversation and welcome to the Kim Munson Show. I am Kim Munson. Be sure and check out our website. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter there. You can email me at Kim at Kim Munson.com as well. And thank you to all of you who contribute and support us. We are an independent voice. We search for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force. Force versus freedom. Yeah, socialism ultimately comes down to force. It's not about free stuff. That's the carrot just to get you to vote for that. But it's never compassionate, my friends, to take other people's rights, their property, their freedom, or their livelihood via force, whether with a weapon policy, unpredictable and excessive taxation, fear, coercion, government-induced inflation, or the globalist elite's view of how you should live your life. We have a really big show planned for you today. In studio with me is Ed Brady, and he is running for Jefferson County Sheriff. It's great to have you here, Ed. Good morning, Kim. Thank you for having me on. Yeah. And uh, so we'll, we'll focus on you in the second segment. And then the rest of the show in the featured guests will be around national security and electric grid security. And uh, in studio with me is uh, two great guests. And first of all, it's Representative Tanya Van Beber. And you have really been working on grid security here in uh, Colorado. So it's great to have you here. Thanks for having me, Kim. So we'll explain that to everyone. And then uh, also my friend John Spence is in studio and uh, we'll be talking with him as well as Dr. George Condos. And then in the uh, second hour, we'll talk with David Pine and John Spence. And David Pine is a national security expert. Uh, So producer Steve, um, we've got a full, full house today, don't we? Yeah, I was thinking when I was looking at the rundown, we need a revolving door (laughs) in this studio. We do. So several things. First of all, uh, Helen, Raleigh, and I, uh, we're hosting our third uh, media training workshop, April 30th, and registration is limited. You can sign up at uh, Kim Munson, that's M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Uh, it's one twenty nine ninety nine. As you know, Helen Raleigh is nationally recognized. She's uh, been on Newsmax, Varney, Fox News. She writes for The Federalist as well as Wall Street Journal. And uh, so it's really, it's very intense. Uh, So um, again, seating is limited. Uh, I'd recommend that you sign up as soon as possible. And that is is at Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Did you have something you were going to say? Oh, I was just thinking about Helen. You, You heard the phrase, the mouse that roared? Yes. That's Helen, because, you know, she's physically small in stature, but boy, she speaks so powerfully. She does. And she grew up in China. And she truly is living the American dream. And uh, here she is on national news. So it's a unique opportunity. Would love to have you join us on that. Uh, Next thing, as you know, uh, the United States Marine Corps Memorial is just really important to me. And Paula Sarles and her whole team is working to raise the money to remodel the Marine Memorial, which is out at 6th Avenue and Colfax. And one of the things that they're doing is they're, they're going to have, f- I think it's five different walkways. And you can buy a brick on, uh, on those walkways. And that's one of the ways they're helping to fund that. And with Mother's Day and Father's Day coming up, birthdays, this is a great way to honor 
military personnel in your family. And many times, like my father, I don't know what to get him. And so I got him a one of these bricks for Father's Day last year. And he was absolutely thrilled, Producer Steve. Well, I know at that event that you had us go to a year ago uh, for this function, we bought two bricks. And uh, it, it is a great feeling. And I I guess they're still, what, a year away from even breaking ground or starting construction? Probably. But uh, uh, I think the more bricks that are sold now, the faster they'll get to that. Well, yeah, and I'm eager to see it. Yes, absolutely. So, And you can find more information at usmcmemorialfoundation.org. That's usmcmemorialfoundation.org. Uh, let's go to our quote for today, Steve. And this is by Thucydides. Thucydides. And he was an Athenian history and historian in general. Uh, his history of the Peloponnesian War recounts the 5th century B.C. war between Sparta and Athens until the year 411. He was born in 460 B.C., or maybe 455, they're not sure, and he died in 400 B.C. And he said this, he said, The secret of happiness is freedom, and the secret of freedom is courage. What do you think of that, Steve? Wow. I mean, that, that just reaches down and grabs you. And, you know, who are the modern day people who illustrate this? And I'm thinking, you know, you in this mixed metaphor, mixed narrative world we live in, we're not really sure who's the good guy, the bad guy with Russia and Ukraine. But I still look at the Ukrainian leader. He's out there in the streets. He's not stowed away somewhere in a bunker. Uh, he... He brings this to life to me. Okay. Okay. Well, someone that uh, I really consider is Tina Peters, ah. who is the Mesa County Clerk and Recorder, and she is running for Colorado Secretary of State. Excellent. And uh, yesterday I went down, there's this terrible bill at Senate Bill 22153. And basically what it does, we've gone through it, but it centralizes all the power over our elections in the Secretary of State's office. And there were about 35 people uh, that testified. Each person had about three minutes. Clerk Peters did um, testify via Zoom. And, uh, and there were a couple of questions that I felt were gotcha questions that she answered them, I thought, very, very well. And uh, so she showed up. And again, what this does is this centralizes our elections, the power of our elections within the Secretary of State's office, really taking away the um, taking away the, the responsibilities and the duties of our duly elected county clerks. And there is tremendous danger in this. I quoted uh, Stalin yesterday. Yesterday, he said, "It's not the people that vote that counts. It's, it's the people that count the votes." And and so, you know, this this is uh, this is daunting, Steve, because it, it passed out of committee along uh, party lines and it'll probably pass the legislature and Polis will sign it. And I'm looking at this. I'm like, it's this. There's got to be a God intervention on this because um, it looks very daunting right now. Um, but I think uh, it's going to be really interesting to watch this, Steve. Two things. First okay. question, and I don't have the answer. Maybe you do. What other state is doing this? This is the first. They made a point. This is the first legislation of its type in the country. What a surprise. The other thing that uh, they continued to talk about was uh, those that were for 153 is that they were concerned about the security of our elections and the fact that a county clerk could take an image 
of the um, the logs on the machines, and they were very concerned then that that might be disseminated to the public. Uh, I'm like, well, if there's nothing to hide, then what's the problem, right? Well, I asked you in our pre-call. What they're really talking about is transparency then, or what, or the issue they have is with transparency. Yes, but they actually hid the narrative that they were trying to have more transparency, which is not the case. And uh, so I, I don't know for sure what's hap- going to happen here in Colorado, but I found it very interesting that no one from the state GOP was there to testify against this. No one from the Republican operative elite class was there to testify against this. And if, in fact, this is, this is where we end up, it's really kind of... Um, it does. The elections don't matter. We can we can have great candidates step forward to run for office, and it'll be very difficult to get them elected. Steve. All right. My second question then was, and you know, my understanding of the mechanics of government is it ready for Polis's signature, or will there be a broader it, vote? It has. It's passed out of the Senate. It will come to a vote in the House, and then if it passes there. It will go to his desk, and he can either sign it, or if he doesn't sign it but doesn't veto it, within 30 days it becomes law, is my understanding. I said it yesterday. I'll say it again today. How many people who are going to vote in the House of Representatives would maybe recognize this as being a bad bill but are under such pressure from the governor's office and maybe even higher up? And, yes, there is a higher up. And they'll they'll push it through. Yeah, I think I I really think that's going to happen. One thing though is that I'm hoping there will be a legal challenge on this because they stuck on the back of it the um, safety and welfare clause, and there's no way that this makes any sense. So I'm hoping that maybe there will be some kind of a legal challenge to that. So my friends, we really need to pray for our state. We need to pray for Colorado because we have really fabulous people that are stepping forward to run for office, and we need to make sure that it's not all for naught that, uh, in fact, that we are having free, fair, and honest elections. Let's get over here to the bill of the day, Steve. I do want to make sure that you realize that the special district elections are going on right now. And you may not even know that. It's a mail-in ballots only. And those uh, have been mailed out, and they need to be returned by May 3rd. So this will be your fire districts, your park districts, maybe your road districts. And so be sure and check that out and make sure your voice is heard on that. The bill for the day is um, it's bipartisan. Representatives Kyle Mullica, Democrat, Mike Lynch, Republican, and Senators Jeff Bridges, Democrat, and Rob Woodward, Republican. I, I know Rob Woodward, and uh, I've met Mike Lynch, and um, frustrated that they have their name on this because it's the Innovative Housing Incentive Program. And it creates a program within the Office of the Economic Development Office, so that's it within a, bureauc- a bureaucratic office, that... And it'll be a business located in Colorado that manufactures certain types of housing, which may apply for funding through the program. Funding may be awarded through grants for capital operating expenses and for incentives for units manufactured based on criteria established by the, I'm going to say, bureaucratic office, such as affordability, location where the unit is installed in the state, or meeting energy efficiency standards. Funding may be awarded through loans for the purpose of funding a manufacturing factory. The bill creates the Innovative Housing Incentive Program Fund, requires a $40 million transfer to the fund from the Affordable Housing and Home Ownership Cash Fund, and continuously appropriates all money in the fund to the office to fund the program. 
Uh, Patty made some comments on this, which I, I agree with. She said, instead of putting in a new bureau, and I'm paraphrasing, instead of creating a new bureaucracy uh, for affordable housing, what we need to do is we need to reduce rules and regulations. And, and uh, the Marshall Fire uh, victims is an example. Louisville had just passed some of the most restrictive uh, home building uh, rules and regulations in the country. And as we have seen, as these people are trying to rebuild, it's increasing the costs of their homes so significantly they can't do that. And so it's it's taken the veil off. Rules and regulations increase the costs of housing. And then you have government coming in, picking winners and losers on this. And you know who really loses is people that don't want to be involved in government programs that really want to live their own lives. So let's reduce taxes. Let's reduce rules. Let's reduce regulations. And I really wish the Republicans down at the State House would realize that that's what they need to do. This is not the proper role of government. Steve, do you have a comment? Well, you had Karen on, well, I guess a couple times now to... Karen Levine with REMAX Alliance. Yep, sorry. Great sponsor of the show. Thank mm-hmm. you. <laughs> you guys delineated uh, the different things that are in these efforts to, you know, build greener, build more fire resistant. And, you know, some of them are good things, but others were not. And ultimately, they all added up to the cost in building a home and made it you know, made it unaffordable. Yeah. It made it unaffordable it, for uh, for um, people to buy their homes. And uh, we want uh, we want to make sure that we get the government gets out of the way and that go- the people that we elect, I don't call them officials. I call them they're our representatives, that they are uh, doing what they can to reduce rules, regulations, taxes, so that government is small and the individual is big. But let's go to break. Um, I want to talk with our guests. So, uh before we do that, Hooters Restaurants is one of my great sponsors of the show uh, and also my America's Veterans Story show. And they have five locations. That's Lone Tree, Westminster, Aurora, um, Loveland, and Colorado Springs. And they have all kinds of specials, but I wanted to highlight their lunch specials. Uh, they are Monday through Friday, 11 to 2. They have $9 items. Baja fish tacos sound great. $10 items, the shrimp tacos, or $11 items, lunch fish and chips, and they have other items as well. They have a lunch punch program. Uh, you get more out of lunch with Hooters Lunch Punch Rewards Program, Lunch Punch Every Day, and Double Punches on Tuesday. So we're going to go to break. We'll be right back. The Metro home ownership real estate market is very tight right now. That's why Kim Munson recommends you have seasoned REMAX realtor Karen Levine on your side of the table. Karen Levine will help you navigate through the many details of your home buying experience so that you can successfully pursue your American dream. Because Karen Levine cares about property rights for each individual, she volunteers hundreds of hours to represent home ownership opportunities at the local, county, state, and national levels. If you are considering buying or selling your home, call Karen Levine today at 303-877-7516. Again, that's 303-877-7516. You'd like to get in touch with one of Kim Munson's sponsors, but you can't recall their phone number. Find a full list of advertising partners on Kim's website, kimmunson.com. That's Kim, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. And welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. I'm Kim Munson. Be sure and check out our website. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter there. You can email me at Kim at Kim Munson.com as well. And thank you to all of you 
who support us. And we did roll out a great, uh, we're no longer calling them op-eds, we're calling them essays, uh, by Pam Long, uh, which I would recommend that you take a look at. And that is from womb to tomb, uh, medical surveillance from womb to tomb, talking about the um, Colorado vaccine registry thing. I can't remember what the name of it is exactly, but be sure and check that out. In studio with me is Ed Brady. Ed is running for sheriff in Jefferson County, and this is such an important position. Ed, welcome to the show. Great. Thank you for having me. First of all, why? Why are you running for sheriff? I started thinking about running for sheriff oh, a couple years ago. I was uh, having coffee with the division chief from Jeffco, and I asked him who his next sheriff was going to be, and he said, what about you? <laughs> and so I... Uh, Started thinking about it. A couple weeks later, he said, uh, Sheriff Schrader would like to talk to you if you're interested. So I went up to talk to uh, Sheriff Schrader, who's been a great supporter. And, you know, this is about the same time where uh, COVID happened and the police became the bad guys in society today. And started looking about crime, how that's uh, really increased. You know, over the last 10 years, crime's increased by 28%. Our murder rate's more than doubled in this state. We have record high fentanyl overdose deaths. We're number one in car thefts. And we are the number one in car thefts. 37,000 cars were stolen in this state last year. That's 105 per day. In my city of Arvada, where I'm a deputy chief, two cars are stolen every day. So a combination of those two things, talking to Sheriff Schrader, seeing the rise in crime, seeing the national mood go against the police officers, I really wanted to stand up. Uh, Like I've seen so many people in our community, they just want to do something. And this is where I thought I could give back. Boy, uh, and this is so important. First of all, I think we have taken safe communities for granted. And what we've seen, as you mentioned, over the last couple of years, this increase in crime, people can't go after their hopes and dreams if they don't have a safe community. If they're concerned about their kids going out in their front yard or a single mom going out and her car is gone that she needs to get to work. I mean, this really affects people's lives, Ed. Absolutely. People deserve a safe place to live, work, worship, and play. And it's been heartbreaking to see a community that I've worked for in Arvada and Jefferson County that are some of the safest in Colorado. Really, the crime has increased so much where people are concerned about that every day when they go out. You have to worry about your catalytic converter being stolen if it's left out on the street or your car being stolen. People don't deserve to live in those communities. And when we as a state have become more concerned about offenders than we are victims, that's how we've gotten into the situation. That's what we've seen. And when you say people don't deserve to live in a community, I think what you're saying, people don't deserve to live in a community where there's a lot of crime, right? That's That's correct. They they deserve to live in a safe community. There we go. Right. There we go. Absolutely. I want to make sure that clarification. Thank you. Um, questions. Um, what about constitutional sheriffing? What's your What's your comment on that? Yeah, I get asked a lot uh, out on the campaign trail on this. And, you know, when I take an oath of office, just as I did to become a police officer, when I take that oath to become the sheriff, I uh, pledge to uphold the uh, constitutions of the United States of America and the state of Colorado. And I don't understand how a sheriff can be a sheriff without wanting to uphold the Constitution. Okay. And I certainly uh, would uphold the Constitution as a sheriff. Okay. Very important. I know people, I hear that all the time uh, regarding constitutional sheriffing, which kind of rolls into the next question, and that is the red flag law that was passed a few years ago here in Colorado. I read it, and I I was deeply concerned about it because I saw that there was really no due process in that. Uh, So what's your thoughts on the red flag law, Ed Brady? Yeah, well, 
Uh, as you know, uh, the red flag law allows uh, the government to issue a temporary continuing order to remove guns from people they deem to be mentally unfit. And like you, I had uh, concerns about it. I had concerns about the due process. I had concerns about the constitutional issues, in particular the Fourth Amendment, the right of people to be secure in their houses and persons right. from unreasonable searches and seizures shall not be violated. So. Those are the reasons I wouldn't have supported the bill had I been in a position to, um, you know, weigh in on it back then. But now that it is the law of the land, the only protections from it are people like the sheriff or the chiefs of police. And I think Sheriff Schrader's issued a reasonable policy in Jefferson County. And basically what it says is that a search warrant will not be requested unless it's accompanied by an arrest warrant based upon probable cause. Or if a deputy has articulable facts to deem a person uh, to be an immediate danger to themselves or others. And they're going to be placed on a 72-hour mental health hold. So... uh, That ensures a due process on the front end uh, to be able to sort it out. But I'm certainly concerned about uh, both of those issues, Mm -hmm. due process and the constitutional issues. Mm -hmm. Um, It seems to me, Ed, that if somebody is at risk, that you would want to get them out instead of going in and taking their uh, firearms. What's your thoughts on that? Yeah. You know, I, I think it leads to the next logical question. How do we prevent these type of mass shootings? And I would say that we do that all the time. Unfortunately, it just takes one to sneak through to, to cause a great tragedy, mm-hmm. just as it did in, in Boulder or even in Arvada uh, this last summer. And so what we typically do is we gather information. Information comes to us through various means. We investigate that information. We work with the police psychologist to figure out how we interrupt the behavioral continuum Um, so that uh, they're not going to go out and commit this. And we use lawful means to uh, address these situations. When those means um, have been exhausted in that and and following the policy that I just outlined, if the red flag law, um, the the TERPO, was required at that point, it would be the last uh, means that I'd want to use. I'd be very concerned about using it. I think, Ed, big, bigger picture with the red flag law with me is that certainly I, I, think, I think what happens is I look into the future where I could see someone that uh, might be elected sheriff that may have an agenda that I would say would be antithetical to the Constitution, to the Second Amendment. And that's why I would really love to get rid of the red flag law because uh, I feel the fact that there's no due process, uh, firearms can be taken, it's difficult for somebody to get them back, somebody could be accused by someone that had lived in their household, at least that's the way I read it. And so I'm always trying to look at if the power was in the wrong hands, what would that look like? And so that's, that's really kind of my question. Do you want to comment on that at all? Or? Yeah, I mean, I certainly have those same concerns, too, and that's why I wouldn't have supported it on the front end. Um, and I think that uh, as a sheriff, I'd be very diligent about uh, when it gets used. And, and, again, it would be the last resort. It is not something that I'd, I would prefer to use. I'd rather use all uh, lawful means ahead of that. Okay. And you mentioned law in- enforcement. It has really um, been a, on a attacked and there's there's bad apples in every company every business that there that happens but that's i think that's really an outlier but what has what about morale uh, because i think as as sheriff uh, the keeping the morale of those officers that go out to keep our community safe how would you address that ed brady people have 
people have left the profession, they've left the state, uh, law enforcement officers, because of the law, um, the national mood, the lack of support from the legislators here. And I think it's incredibly important that leaders in law enforcement, sheriffs, are, are pro-police. The men and women in blue are the heroes in our society. They're not the bad guys. And it's been a very difficult time because so many people have left the profession. Uh, we want to get people back to protect our communities. Okay. And I'd certainly... Um, be supportive of uh, law enforcement. Okay. How how can we as community members uh, help? I guess one of the things is is to show up at the ballot box and vote for Ed Brady, right? That would be a great first start, <laughs> absolutely. You know, um, they can help by contacting their legislators when they see police bills that are anti-police, that are more offender-focused than they are victim-focused. They need to let their legislators know about that. And then a kind word uh, to law enforcement on the street. It's it's so nice to be at a restaurant and somebody comes up and just says, thank you for what you do. Okay. That's always very much appreciated. Okay. And what about like, yesterday I was crossing the street downtown and a police officer was you know, in his car. I was crossing and I, I just kind of waved at him. Is that good to do Absolutely. that as well? Is that helpful? Yeah. Okay. You know, we're members of the community too. And uh, we love seeing that stuff. Okay. How would you like to button this up? What's the message you'd like to leave with our listeners, Ed Brady? Yeah, thanks. Uh, well, I'm running for sheriff of Jefferson County uh, this November, and I, I believe in community safety. You know, I'm, I'm running to protect our community. I'm running to protect our schools. We've seen some legislation that has come up against schools and school resource officers that is quite concerning. And I'm here to stand for the men and women in blue. So you can learn more about me at BradyForSheriff.com. Okay, that's Brady, and is it for F-O-R? Yep, Brady, F-O-R, Sheriff.com. Yeah, BradyForSheriff.com. And uh, we've got just a couple of minutes. You mentioned something about schools. You know, when parents send their kids off to school, uh, you know, the teachers, you know, are part of our families. We want them to come home. Absolutely. At the end of the day. And so uh, what's your what's your thoughts on keeping our schools safe? Well, my uh, wife has been in the school district for about 28 years. Uh, she's a principal in Jefferson County. Okay. And uh, school safety is paramount to me. Okay. Um, I saw the legislation that last year that worked to really neuter the school resource officers and take away their ability to police to be police officers. Mm-hmm. Have they forgotten the lessons of Columbine or Arapahoe County or all these other schools that have had such tragedies? And I certainly want to stand up for school safety and protect uh, our teachers, our principals, and, and our students. Okay. And what about um, trained staff carrying firearms in schools? What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I don't believe our constitutional rights end at, at the workplace. I mean, I think that if, off, if um, staff were able to carry guns, not everyone, but, but the ones well trained. who well trained, the people mm-hmm. that want to, it adds another layer of protection for our schools. Okay. I think uh, in Jefferson County in particular, John McDonald has done a great job, but that would add another layer of protection for, like you mentioned, highly trained uh, staff who are interested in doing that. Protecting our children, yeah. our right. teachers, our principals. We want them all to come home Absolutely. at the end of the day for That's sure. Right. So, Ed Brady, it's been just a delight to have you here. I know that you need to rush off because you're pretty busy this during the campaign time, but it's BradyForSheriff.com, BradyForSheriff.com, and every little bit helps all of these great candidates that are stepping forward. Uh, just the amount of a cup of coffee a day, all that adds up. So, Ed Brady, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Okay, have a great day. We're going to go to break. When we come back, we'll talk about our grid, our uh, security grid as well as national security with John Spence and Tanya Van Beber and Dr. George Condos. Stay tuned. 
Three Points Financial is a fiduciary financial planning company focused on helping individuals and families. Mary Alpers and Steve Cruz at Three Points Financial specialize in investment strategies, tax planning and preparation, and retirement planning with no product sales or commissions. Tax laws have changed and will continue to change. Inflation is real. Three Points Financial helps you maneuver through these changes to achieve your financial success. For clarity and a solid, relevant financial and investment plan while working with a company that puts your interests at the forefront, schedule a no-obligation initial consultation at threepointsfinancial.com. That's threepointsfinancial.com. Inflation is out of control. Increasing prices at the gas pump and grocery stores are hurting everyday people. All these challenges we face are preventable. Individuals must understand what is going on. That's why Kim Munson is bringing truth and clarity to the issues facing our families, our communities, our state, and our country. Now, more than ever, it's important to support Kim's independent voice. Kim has the courage to research and inform you about the real issues. It's not easy, and Kim can use your help. Go to KimMunson.com to contribute. Again, help Kim by contributing at Kim Munson. That's M-O-N-S-O-N.com. And welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. I am Kim Munson. Be sure and check out our website. That is Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter there. And you can email me at Kim at KimMunson.com as well. In that weekly newsletter, you'll get first look at our upcoming guests, our most recent essays, our most recent podcasts. And so be sure and sign up for that. A couple of uh, things to mention. First of all, Helen Raleigh and I are hosting our next media training workshop. That will be April 30th at 8.30 to 8.30 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. And uh, you can sign up at my website. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. And uh, being down at the Capitol yesterday with uh, testifying, I realized that uh, all of us, I think, could use a little help. I've learned a lot from Helen regarding the media, and just our messaging is super important. The left is very good at training their folks on messaging, and so we have created this to help you get your voice. In studio with me is John Spence. It's great to have him here, and he is the... Let's see. He is the national director, excuse me, he is the Colorado State Director of the EMP Task Force, and he's my friend. It's great to have you here, John. Uh, Thank you, Kim. Kim, it's a real pleasure to be here again, and I just want to compliment you. Hey, today you got a star-studded cast. (laughs) Dr. George Condos, who's an expert in cybersecurity. Representative Tanya Van Beber, who's uh, sponsoring legislation to protect uh, Colorado's critical infrastructure, and then David Pine from Utah, who's the Deputy National Operations Director, and he's uh, written a lot of articles uh, pertaining to protection of our country. Yes, uh, security, national security, security of our grid is very important. And in studio also is uh, Colorado Representative Tanya Van Beber. Uh, welcome, Representative Von. Van Beber, right? Van Beber, I got to get it right, uh, because you have been at the forefront of this important issue, and there's been some progress since the last time we had you on the show. 
That's right. Uh, thanks for having me on, Kim. I appreciate you uh, giving us a chance to talk about this issue today. I, I can't stress enough just how important this is to uh, Colorado, if not the nation, uh, when it comes to protecting the infrastructure and our grid. And so uh, this bill has now been approved as a late bill, and we've got that information into the bill drafter. We're finalizing it this week, and we're just waiting to hear back from uh, the bill drafter and stakeholders and get this moving forward. This seems to me, Representative Van Beber, that this would be a bill that should have unanimous support. One would think so. This is not a partisan issue. The continuance of a civilization does depend on whether or not we have clean water, electricity, all of those things that we take for granted on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. And so for me, this is something that I've been paying attention to for quite some time. Uh, It's really in my backyard in the last couple of years. We've had quite a few events up there in Wug County that uh, are front and center, not only to the state of Colorado and our county, but really nationally. And they came forward. uh, One of our electrical substations uh, had uh, malware on it uh, that could be, uh, you know, taken out basically by foreign entities. Uh, we had ransomware at uh, one of the major packing plants. We had a blizzard all uh, all in the span of about 18 months. Okay. Three different events. That's just Wilk County. Uh, 60 Minutes here just did a re- recently did a special on issues that have taken place across the entire U.S. over the last uh, five to ten years. And so this is nothing new. And that's the part that's so extraordinary to me, that no one has come forward to try to figure out how do we unravel this? How do we take care of this? And I'm, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I, uh, I'm going to grab onto a topic that I care deeply about and I'll do what's right. And I believe this is the right time. And, of course, the war in Ukraine brings us even more front and center. We are being told right now by the White House, by foreign policymakers, that these are the kinds of threats that are existential to the continuance of the civilization here in the United States. Now is the time to pay attention to this. Well, I'm frustrated with the White House that they're telling us that there's this threat, but they're not doing anything about it. As John Spence first brought this issue to me, I I couldn't I couldn't believe it. And it doesn't. I mean, it costs money, but compared to all the money that's being spent out there, uh, um, protecting our grid just seems like that should be one of the most important things to do. And there just has not been the political will to do it. So you're one of the first. Well, that's correct. I'm not the first. This has been tried again and again and again. The issue is there's six different major grids throughout the contiguous United States and Canada, the continent, continent, if you will. And these are electrical entities that can be owned by private owners. And so we don't have a national electrical grid. So there lies the first rub, the complexity of the issue in and of itself and that we have this these six different locations and how do you ensure that those different entities are in and of themselves wanting to do what's right not only by their customers but by the citizens that lie within their electrical uh, area that the, the mm-hmm. folks that receive their electricity and it's not a national issue um, it really is it should boil down to a local issue when it comes to the legislative piece or the governance uh, January 4th, Mitch, Mitch Landry sent out a letter to all 50 governors uh, this year stating that you need to provide an, either an in- infrastructure coordinator to ensure that your grid gets hardened in your state or you need to put into place a board that gets this done. Right now, 26 states have done this. We have not. And uh, Utah is uh, taking the forefront and passed uh, several grid uh, bills this last couple of years. And they are uh, taking, taking that and moving it forward. But Colorado 
absolutely needs to make sure that they are doing right by six million residents here in the state of Colorado. This is an important issue. I want to make sure we see it through to the end uh, because at the end of the day, our very lives depend on it. Okay, a couple of things. First of all, what is your district? Uh, you said Weld County primarily? That's correct. So uh, central and northern Weld County, so uh, from Platteville all the way up to Pierce, and I-25 to about 15 miles east of Highway 85. Okay. 13 small towns, a lot of ag country, uh, farm country, a beautiful area. But here's the deal. Uh, when you're a representative or you're a senator, you are making decisions that affect the entire state. Mm-hmm. What do we swear an oath to? To protect the general welfare of the public. That is exactly what this bill does. You talked about the proper purpose of government earlier. This is mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. And what does the bill do? So this bill does several things. Uh, first of all, there's a, the, the, I'll give you the, basically the top five features of this legislation. Uh, the, first, the first thing that it does is put into place uh, via le- the legislative authority. So beholden to the voters. That's the first thing. This is not some uh, bureaucracy or another, another level of bureaucracy where we just appoint somebody and we hope that we put time and effort towards this and it gets done. No, this is something that will be in statute and uh, infrastructure resiliency board will be created. So a group of experts that work with in a cooperative and invitational way with all of the utilities, with oil and gas, with water, with municipalities, with those who are are uh, part and parcel beholden to the fact that they bring uh, our infrastructure to this group and this group will do an analysis in the first two years they'll do an analysis of what uh, frailties what what fragilities are Mm -hmm. what vulnerabilities are located in our water in Mm -hmm. our electricity in our 5g communications in oil and gas and then after that analysis is done in that first 24 months, then the next eight years would be making sure that those uh, issues are hardened, are taken care of, are dealt with. It's incremental. It's piece by piece by piece uh, so that it's done well. It's done right the first time. And so putting that uh, into place, creating the design solutions is another thing that it will do. Uh, We will ask power and utilities to work with the engineering community that works with this board to ensure that we do harden the grid. Um, It will also direct this board to ensure that we pay attention to all grid down threats, whether that's man-made, whether that's solar, whether that is uh, any kind of weather-related thing. Uh, All of those kinds of issues will be paid attention to. Um, As well, we'll make sure that we don't want this to be on the back of the taxpayer in the state of Colorado. So we are working with uh, looking at federal funding. All kinds of funding has been put in place to ensure that states have the ability to do this. The question remains, will our state have the vision and the foresight and the, frankly, good old common sense and ability to ensure that we get this put in place? Well, producer Steve and I affectionately call it the spoon bill, that there was legislation that made it through the Colorado legislature regarding whether or not people could have utensils for their takeout food and they have to ask for it. It's mind-boggling that that is something there is even paying any attention to, and it's taken so long to get this. And as we look at Ukraine and Russia, uh, Representative Van Beber, it seems like this should have been done yesterday. That's exactly right. We've been kind of in a holding pattern. Uh, the executive branch and the Department of Energy uh, have been aware of this, and we've been talking with them since January. And just really, that's what that's what one-party rule does, I believe. There's, a, there's disadvantages to that when there's no balance and you have one-party rule. 
issues like this that can be complex for a reason uh, seem to be in a place where nobody wants to get that hard work done and they don't want to do the right work. And that is so very unfortunate. We are here as representatives to ensure that the safety of our constituency in this way is taken care of. And I, I'm, I'm in a complete agreement with you. I look at the kinds of bills that are passed in legislation, and it is mind-boggling that we would worry about whether or not you want a straw or a spoon, and yet we still have a, a bill of this magnitude just waiting, waiting in the wings. It's frankly unacceptable, and if I were a voter, I would make sure, you know, I would, I would make sure my representatives and my senators that did not pay attention to this did not have a job in this November or the following November. I, I, I agree with you. I think it's that important. John Spence, we're going to go to break. So, uh, first of all, this is, this is really great, and you'll keep us informed on that. There's ways that the, uh, the, uh, the citizen, that we can actually um, support Representative Yeah, Van yeah. there's a short timeline on this, uh, and um, Kim, uh, the, the legislature adjourns May 11th, and I'll let uh, Tanya talk about when she expects the hearings might be. But citizens can plug into this, and they can learn more about uh, the threats to our electric grid by going to the EMPTaskForce.us. There's a plethora of information about what the threat is and what needs to be done about it. And there's a citizen's letter on there. If you click on the red tab, there's a citizen's letter that you can send, send in. And uh, Tanya, what's the time frame, do you think, for the hearings? Well, you know, that's, it's hard to say. We sat, we sat and waited in that holding pattern since January. My hope is to get bill draft language uh, back in the next day or two, get that out to folks, get some feedback on that. And I'm hoping that we get that into committee within hopefully the next seven to nine days. Okay, now you two will keep us informed on this, right? Absolutely. Okay, let's go to break. Uh, and when we come back, John, I'd like you to introduce Dr. George Condos. You sent over his bi- bio, and it's, it, it's impressive. <laughs> Very impressive, because we want to talk about uh, a variety of things here with him, and uh, like cyber attacks in U- Ukraine, uh, possible cyber attacks here in the U.S. Things that we need to to be mulling over. So, uh, before we do that, though, another great sponsor of the show is Kirsch Insurance Group. They are specialists in the Medicare arena. Government runs Medicare, so that means it's complicated, and it's great to have somebody on your side of the table. It doesn't cost you anything. They work with many of the carriers here in Colorado. Uh, so, check out iKirsch.com. That's i. K-I-R-S-C-H.com. Uh, Marlon and Danielle, Naomi, they all are, are, are there to help you. And again, I recommend them um, very much. iCurse.com. We'll be right back. Inflation is rocking our boats, especially for individuals on fixed incomes. If you are 62 years or older, mortgage specialist with Polygon Financial Group, Lauren Levy, can help you navigate this inflation squeeze with a reverse mortgage. Additionally, if you are considering buying a new home, refinancing your existing home, or consolidating high interest debt, it's not too late to lock in an interest rate before interest rates increase again. Don't wait. Kim Munson recommends you call Lauren Levy today at 303-880-8881 for a no-cost consultation. That's Lauren Levy at 303-880-8881. All of Kim's sponsors are an inclusive partnership with Kim and are not affiliated with or in partnership with KLZ or Crawford Broadcasting. If you would like to support the work of the Kim Munson Show and grow your business, contact Kim at her website, KimMunson.com. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. 
Welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. I'm Kim Munson. Be sure and check out our website. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter there. You'll get first look at our upcoming guests, our most recent essays, most recent op-eds. And uh, you can email me at Kim at KimMunson.com as well. And thank you to all of you who support us. We're an independent voice. We search for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. In studio with me is John Spence, and he is the Colorado director of the EMP task force, as well as uh, Colorado representative Tanya Van Beber. And we've talked about this piece of legislation that uh, she is getting through the legislature to, to protect us to protect our our hopes and dreams to be able to live our lives and so I so thank you for doing that. John Spence, you have organized these guests and it's a star-studded uh, group of guests. So tell us uh, about Dr. George Condos. Uh, thank you, Kim. Yeah, I'm privileged to introduce Dr. George Condos, who I've known for quite a while. He's considered an expert on computer and network systems and cybersecurity with over 40 years of experience. And he's he has experience with some of the top organizations and private companies in the country. Uh, said he's um, security issues for many Fortune 100 companies. Digital Equipment Corporation, Siemens, and FedEx, and he's uh, been involved in uh, security work for the FBI and uh, other uh, organizations, DOD projects for NORAD, the U.S. Space Command, and the Missile Defense Agency. George, welcome aboard. Yeah, how you doing there, John? Okay. Uh, Dr. Condos, I so, this is Kim, I so appreciate you joining us. And I uh, wanted to talk about security uh, and just address Russia and Ukraine. Um, how does that relate to what we should be concerned about, Dr. Kondos? Well, from the perspective of, the, of our enemies, Russians, Chinese, Iranians, etc., cetera, uh, cyber warfare is another part of the way that they conduct war. So they, they're going to use cyber warfare to weaken their enemy and... That's what they're doing right now in the Ukraine. They've just recently attempted an attack on the Ukrainian electrical grid. You take down the electrical grid, of course, you weaken your enemy. And they've, uh, but cyber warfare covers a lot of areas. It, they've tried things like uh, denial of service attacks, where they just shut off the capability for people to be able to communicate using networks and the like, or at least weaken that communication. Then they, do things like uh, false information. They'll put, they'll actually inject false information into systems. They'll wipe systems clean. They use wipers, what they're called, to destroy data that's in systems. And of course, nowadays we use data in our systems for everything, for planning, for determining where to move troops, etc. So, you know, it's just part of warfare for them, and. They can use it against a target like Ukraine that they're directly attacking, but they can use it against us from anywhere in the world. They can attack us from anywhere. And they probe our systems, especially our infrastructure systems, constantly. And right now, I guess the biggest danger is that they'll attack the electric grid because they're constantly probing our systems, looking for weaknesses in the control systems for the electrical grid. And that they might attack our financial systems, shut down banking capabilities for a few hours or a day or whatever in the 
look at what problems that creates in a country. Uh, shut down communications. Everything we have now is interconnected. We put things out on the internet, which is like saying, you know, open my door and come on in because if they can get past any security that we have out there, uh, which they usually can because our systems are so complex that they find vulnerabilities. They find ways to get in. It's like having a gigantic castle that has a hundred windows and 50 doors and one of them is going to be unlocked sometime and they find a way in. That's what they're doing right now and they're probing us constantly. When you hear about millions of attacks, most of them are probes, sort of like saying, find out where there's homes, then find out what types of homes and find out what weaknesses there are so we can crawl in the window and rob the house. Dr. Condos, from a public policy standpoint, it seems that on the national level that there's policies in many different arenas. Uh, I'm thinking of the southern border where it doesn't appear that um, there's any attempt to solidify that border, to protect the American people. And I'm concerned that that mindset is going over into the cyber arena as well. Are they serious about protecting us from cyber attacks? Or what do you think? Well, I worked in Washington. And yeah, there are a lot of people who are extremely serious. But we have so many agencies. We have so many people working on things. They tend to step on each other's toes, in my opinion, a lot of times because they all have to compete for budgets, among other things. We don't necessarily realize that. If you have all these different agencies, they have to all compete for money, so they have to say, look at what I'm doing. And sometimes when you're saying, look at what I'm doing, you're not working together enough. And when I first went to work for the FBI, and this was after 9-11, they were actually trying very hard to work with other organizations to improve this whole thing of let's all work together and let's set our objectives and do the right thing. But big complex systems, and our government is a big complex system. And we have so many things now. Now we have CISA, which is the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency. Before, I saw us working with DHS and the Director of National Intelligence and CIA and NSA, and I just feel that they don't always communicate very well. It's just so complex. Everybody trying to say, look at what I have. You go onto the CISA website, and there's some really good information there. And if you look, but if you look at it, you start to say, isn't this the same information that is in 20 other places? And sometimes it is. So, you know, we're working with this whole situation where we have so many people saying, oh, boy, I'm going to jump in and do something. Some of them are very good technically. Some of them are horrible technically. It's what you get when you work with big organizations. And so are they serious? I think they're serious. Uh, Have they stepped back and said, what's the really best way to do this? I think there's a lot of work to be done there. Okay. Uh, Next question. What about the physical attacks on the infrastructure uh, here in the U.S.? I know there was a physical attack 
uh, out at a, I think, a substation. Metcalf, Metcalf substation. In California, right, John? That's right. Okay, so it has happened. Uh, what's your thoughts about that, Dr. Condos? Well, physical attacks have been going on for a long time from internal players uh, that, for one reason or another, have a grudge against anything, the electrical grid, uh, a company, the government, uh, and those physical attacks have been everything from, and some of this may still be classified, so I won't say very much, I won't get any specifics, but uh, attacking individual towers with the electrical lines going on them to attacking where we have transformer stations, a Metcalf attack. But the Metcalf attack was an example of a coordinated, probably very well-planned uh, physical attack, almost like, a, let's try this out. Let's, let's do a little training run here. And that, that is worrisome because uh, physical attacks against a series of transformer stations like that uh, properly planned and properly coordinated could really take down major parts of our grid. Which, and who, who did that? They still don't know. Right. And, and um, we've talked about that on the show before. We're getting close to the end of time on this, Dr. George Condos. But I know that, uh, and this is one of the things that Representative Van Beber has been concerned about, is there was uh, transformers that were coming in from China. We had them constructed there. Uh, and one of them is even here in Alt, Colorado. And uh, that seems kind of like a dumb idea to have the Chinese uh, manufacturing our transformers. What's your thoughts on that? I think it's, yeah, anything, anything for our critical infrastructure to have the Chinese or the Russians manufacturing is insane. I mean, it's to save some money, but it doesn't make any sense. And the idea with the transformers is... You could put you could put hardware and software in those transformers. They can phone home. They can provide information to the Chinese about what's going on, and they can provide a path into the system so the Chinese could disable parts of our electric grid. And this can be done not only with transformers. It's been done with parts, components, important components that have been used in our Department of Defense systems. And they've been caught uh, in... A number of cases, but I don't think we really know how many times they haven't caught the problems. Imagine a phone home system for a major defense system. And imagine a system that they can take and use to shut down parts of our defense. That's scary. It is very scary. So give us an example on how we can go to work to prevent this from happening. Well, we have to have a way to really understand our chain, our supply chain. We have to stop using components from China as soon as we possibly can. The problem is we've become dependent on them. Mm-hmm. So we can't just stop tomorrow. And we have to really have, I would say, a government organization for anything to do with the uh, critical infrastructure that is properly run with the help of industry to go in and analyze all of this because it's extremely complex. We cannot be using chips that can come over, that can be produced in China, that have the capability to affect the operation of our critical systems. And we've allowed ourselves to do that. It's, it's, that's, that's, 
doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. Dr. George Condos, um, we've got a minute. How would you like to button up this conversation? Well, you, you started to talk about something else, so let me just get this down. Physical attacks, because in a war, we will get hit with physical attacks, cyber attacks. Uh, you know, we'll have sabotage like we haven't even seen before. We're finding a lot of people come across the border, and a lot of people come in other ways, you know, that uh, even legally, who are really dangerous to have in this country. And I don't think we vet people coming into the country enough. We don't, we have to be very, very careful about vetting people who work on critical systems. We have to be very, very careful about who crosses the border because you get two dozen, three dozen, four dozen uh, terrorists that come across and are organized and trained. I, I was on a Special Forces A team for a while. And I'll tell you something, a dozen Special Forces A teams spread around a country could probably take out a good part of the country. Okay. Dr. George Condos, thank you so much for joining us today. And it's been great having you, Representative Van Beber and John Spence. And uh, our quote for the end of the day is from uh, Thucydides. And here we go. He says, the strong do what they have to do and the weak accept what they have to accept. So my friends today, be grateful, read great books, think good thoughts, listen to beautiful music, communicate and listen well, live honestly and authentically, strive for high ideals, and like Superman, stand for truth, justice, and the American way. My friends, you are not alone. God bless you, and God bless America. It's the Kim Munson Show, analyzing the most important stories. That seems to me like government is establishing a religion. The latest in politics and world affairs. If you give people rights, women's rights, gay rights, whatever, there can't be equal rights if there's special rights. Today's current opinions and ideas. Surveys show that, that people still really prefer freedom versus force. Is it freedom or is it force? Let's have a conversation. I am Kim Munson. Be sure and check out our website. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter there. You'll get first look at our uh, upcoming guests, our most recent essays, our most recent podcasts. You can email me at Kim at KimMunson.com as well. And thank you to all of you who contribute and support us. We're an independent voice. We search for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force force versus freedom. If something's a good idea, you shouldn't have to force people to do it. And my friends, it's never compassionate to take other people's rights, their property, their freedom, or their livelihood via force, whether with a weapon, policy, unpredictable and excessive taxation, fear, coercion, government-induced inflation, or the globalist elites uh, that think they should, they know how you should live your life. Um, Let's go to, right off the bat here, our quote, well, let me think about this. How are we going to do this, Steve? I think we'll go to the quote for today, uh, and then we'll talk a little bit about what happened down at the State House yesterday. It's a, yeah, it's that? a great segue. Go ahead. Yes, the quote for today is from uh, Thucydides, and he was an Athenian historian and general. His history of the Peloponnesian War recounts the 5th century B.C. war between Sparta and Athens until the year 411 B.C. He was born around 455, 460 B.C. He died in 400 BC and he said this he said the secret of happiness is freedom and the secret of freedom is courage and uh, I was thinking about Mesa County Clerk and Recorder Tina Peters 
regarding this quote. She is running for Colorado Secretary of State. And as you know, Clerk Peters, there's three different Mesa County voting systems reports. Interestingly enough, one of the people that was testifying yesterday at the hearing on uh, Senate Bill 22153, it was in the House Committee yesterday, one of those that testified asked all of the representatives uh, if they had read these three Mesa County voting systems reports, and not one of them had, Producer Steve. <laughs> all right. Well, you know, if, let me let me tell a windy tale here just real quick. Part of doing this job is doing two things at once. So during your first hour, I was listening to you guys, but I was also looking at the four Denver uh, TV sources, uh, media uh, people, looking at their websites, looking for this story. And yes, all four of them have, are guilty of the same thing in terms of having so much obnoxious advertising on the website. I might have missed it, but on those four sources, I did not find this story. And I just want to say, don't think that the media doesn't think they have a role in suppressing this stuff. Well, this, I think, is one of the most um, onerous pieces of legislation ever passed in the state of Colorado. And the reason is, is because it consolidates the power of our elections within the Secretary of State's office. And in my public comments yesterday, Steve, I said, if the Republicans were pushing this, I would be as adamantly opposed, because this is antithetical to the way America is supposed to work. We want to have separation of power. Uh, we want to make sure that we recognize our local, our county, our, our state, our federal governments, that, that, that all that needs to be separated. And consolidating the power of our elections just think about this, my friends, consolidating that under the office of one person, then uh, it'll be very difficult for Colorado to ever have free, fair, and honest elections. And the real sticky wicket that I can see, why they're passing 153, and one of the things that it, it says in there is that county clerks would prevent them from taking f images, forensic images, of the logs on their voting machines and and offering that to the public. It's like, wait a, wait a minute. What if the information on the, those images is true? Shouldn't the public know about that? And so, again, that seems to be that they want to consolidate the power within the Secretary of State's office. And I was... I was um, disappointed that there was no one from the state GOP that testified on this, no, no one from the Republican establishment operatives that were there to testify against this. And then, as you said, it's crickets on letting the people know about this through the uh, uh, mainstream media. I feel a sense of uh, helplessness at this point. Well, that's why we do this show, and that's why I always continue to remind each and every one of you, get your brains around these issues and talk with your friends and your family and your colleagues. And whether or not blue Democrats or um, libertarians, unaffiliated, Republicans, conservatives, I would say most Coloradans want to make sure that we have free, fair, and honest elections. And this consolidates the power into the office of the Secretary of State. And I would say most people say would say that's not okay. A fairly significant figure in our not-too-recent uh, past 
made the statement that elections have consequences, and I would look at this and say, yep, you sure are correct You're on that correct one. correct on that one for sure. And, uh, and when they don't, anyway, I won't comment on that because we're getting uh, short on time. Wanted to mention special district elections. Uh, you should have your ballots by now. If you don't, you might t- uh, check your tax bill and see all the different special districts that uh, you pay taxes into. And just check and see if any of them are having any special elections and get your ballot. Those ballots are due back by May 3rd. And uh, let's talk about the bill of the day. This is House Bill 22-1282. It is uh, Representatives Kyle Mullica, Democrat, Mike Lynch, Republican, and Senators Jeff Bridges, Democrat, and Rob Woodward, Republican. And um, unfortunately, I know Rob, I've met Mike, and um, this is not the proper role of government. And it's frustrating to me when we have Republicans put their names on pieces of legislation that is outside what government is supposed to be doing. Housing has gotten expensive in... Colorado because of public policy. So instead of creating new bureaucratic programs to address quote unquote affordable housing, we can make housing affordable by reducing rules, regulations, reducing taxes so that people have more money in their pockets to go out and buy homes. And then also, uh, as Rana Otula said, get rid of these urban land corridor, uh, corridor boundaries. Uh, so there's all kinds of things that can be done from a free market standpoint to make housing more affordable. But guess what, Steve? Then the bureaucrats don't have the control. So here is a new program. It creates an innovative housing incentive program within the Office of the Economic Development Office. That's a bunch of bureaucrats. And a business located in Colorado that manufactures certain types of housing, they're going to pick winners and losers, may apply for funding through the program. And then the funding may be awarded through grants for capital, operating expenses, and incentives for units manufactured based on criteria uh, of in the office, such as affordability, location, uh, where the unit is installed, meeting energy efficiency standards. Again, all these rules and regulations, picking winners and losers, putting in a new bureaucracy, funding, uh, my understanding is funding is for three years. What happens after that? Have you ever seen a government program that's disappeared, Steve? <laughs> no. Although, again, another famous Cheats, tongue-tied today. Political figure, famous guy, uh, basically said when he took office, well, for every regulation you bring, I want to see you retire two or three, whatever that number was. He, he was on the right track. And the swamp went crazy. Sure did. Yeah, swamp went crazy because they live off of all that. Let's go to break just a tinge early because we've got just a big show planned for you. Uh, talked with with these guests in the first hour, but um, we want to have a continue that conversation, and then we're going to bring in another expert, David Pine. But uh, Representative Tanya Van Beber is in studio with me. John Spence, who is the Colorado director of the EMP Task Force, is in studio. So we're going to go to break. We'll be right back. Three Points Financial is a fiduciary financial planning company focused on helping individuals and families. Mary Alpers and Steve Cruz at Three Points Financial specialize in investment strategies, tax planning and preparation, and retirement planning with no product sales or commissions. Tax laws have changed and will continue to change. Inflation is real. Three Points Financial helps you maneuver through these changes to achieve your financial success. For clarity and a solid, relevant financial and investment plan while working with a company that puts your interests at the forefront, schedule a no-obligation initial consultation at threepointsfinancial.com. 
That's threepointsfinancial.com. Inflation is out of control. Increasing prices at the gas pump and grocery stores are hurting everyday people. All these challenges we face are preventable. Individuals must understand what is going on. That's why Kim Munson is bringing truth and clarity to the issues facing our families, our communities, our state, and our country. Now, more than ever, it's important to support Kim's independent voice. Kim has the courage to research and inform you about the real issues. It's not easy, and Kim can use your help. Go to KimMunson.com to contribute. Again, help Kim by contributing at Kim Munson. That's M-O-N-S-O-N.com. And welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. I'm Kim Munson. Be sure and check out our website. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter there. You can email me at Kim at Kim Munson.com as well. And thank you to all of you who support us. I greatly appreciate it. Uh, Before we get into uh, the rest of the show here, I wanted to remind you about our media training workshop that Helen Raleigh and I are conducting on April 30th. It is from 8.30 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. And it's all things regarding media. And Helen, uh, she really has lived the American dream. She grew up in China. And she now has her own business. She is a, a senior contributor to The Federalist, which I think is one of the most excellent uh, publications out there. She has been on national uh, television, Fox News, Varney, Newsmax. And so very seldom do you have access to experts like Helen. And I have a lot of experience in radio uh, to help you become better communicators uh, regarding um, media. So, again, that's our um, media training workshop. It's April 30th, 830 a.m. to 1230 p.m. You can register at my website, Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com, and would love to have you join us. Seating is limited. Um, In studio with me is John Spence. He is the Colorado Director of the EMP Task Force. And as I've gotten to know him, I realize that there's tremendous risk to how we live our lives if we don't get our our grid uh, secure and, of course, national security. And then Tanya Van Beber who is Colorado representative, who um, is, has legislation that's uh, going to be, I guess it's introduced, is going to be working its way through this, the state house here, which is very exciting. So, John Spence, it's always great to have you in studio. Uh, thank you, Kim. And, uh, yeah, I just want to uh, remind the listeners, I said this earlier, to go to the uh, EMPtaskforce.us website. It'll tell you everything you really need to know about EMP and threats to our electric grid and other critical infrastructure. And on that website is a, a letter um, that you can uh, send in uh, to help support uh, this legislation in Colorado that Tanya's going to talk about. And we only have about three weeks to get this passed, so we need your input uh, for the hearings and so forth. Tanya, go ahead. Well, I just want to thank you both for being here today. This is such an important piece of legislation. Uh, We've had several conversations here in studio about the fact that it's 2022, and yet we still don't have uh, solutions to harden the infrastructure to ensure that uh, what we need to continue to survive here in the state of Colorado, clean water, water, a secure energy grid, uh, has not been done yet. So uh, we've got this legislation, and and what this bill does is transfers the technology and the lessons learned and 
the solutions that have been developed by the Department of Defense to mission critical elements of Colorado's critical infrastructure. And what we'll do is initiate a cooperative effort, an invitational effort, to uh, bring together civilian engineering folks in that community with the state's public utility commercial sectors to ensure that we are hardening the grid, that we are making sure that we have clean water, that we are making sure we protect all of those things that we take for granted in being able to survive every single day. So this letter, again, John, what is that website? Uh, it, it Go to the uh, emptaskforce.us, emptaskforce.us. .us, and the letter is there. Yeah, there's a little red tab. They can click on it, and um, it will bring up the letter, and people can, uh, has an address to send it to. Uh, and we need that. We need public support for the hearings. So, you know, whether you're a business owner or, or citizen, um, yeah, please voice your support to uh, be introduced at the hearing. Uh, Representative Van Beber, I went down yesterday and testified at the Capitol, which it's a production to get down there, to get parked, to get to the hearing. Uh, but people also have an option to uh, testify via Zoom. And that seems like that's somewhat user-friendly. Yeah, it's fantastic. They can go to the Gen Colorado General Assembly website. There's a tab there, watch and listen. You can click to sign up or just Google Colorado General Assembly remote testimony and it'll walk you right through being able to testify online. You can do that from the comfort of your own home or your own business. Uh, and I would think if you have any stake in ensuring that the grid is protected, whether you're a stay-at-home mom or you're a business owner, wherever you fall in all walks of life here in Colorado, Colorado, uh, coming in or going on Zoom uh, to, to support this bill will be something that we hope all of uh, Colorado takes into consideration. This is so important for us to ensure that uh, we do this this year. So I'm a multitasker. So you could actually go through and get on your phone, have your earbuds in, and then I could go ahead and do all the stuff that I mow the lawn while you're waiting because it might right. be a long time. So anyway, thank you. That's right. Greatly appreciate it. John Spence, you have put together this star-studded lineup of guests today. Who's our next guest? Well, thank you for having us, Kim. Uh, we have uh, David Pine. He lives in Utah, and he's the Deputy National Operations Director for the EMP Task Force on National and Homeland Security. Now, this is a nonprofit, so we don't have any axe to grind, but we were trying to protect the citizens of the United States. And David, uh, in the task force out in Utah, was instrumental in getting legislation actually passed into law in Utah to help protect their electric grid. David, could you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. And thanks, Tim, for having me on the, on the show this morning. Um, so right now, you know, we live in a very dangerous world, and, it, and it's really defined by uh, the extremely risky way that the, the Biden administration has chosen to react to the Russian invasion of Ukraine waging an undeclared economic war and, and a proxy war against uh, Russia, uh, sending a uh, you know, massive amount of U.S. weapons to Ukraine to prolong the war as long as possible and kill off as many Russian troops as, it, as uh, he can. Um, and that's driving up the threat of a nuclear, of a nuclear war with Russia to a higher level than the Cuban Missile Crisis even. Um, Eighty-three percent of our, our citizens are worried that Russia will escalate to, to the nuclear level. And I estimate there's probably there's a 40% chance they'll employ, uh, you know, nuclear weapons in Ukraine to, to win the war decisively. Um, 
super EMP weapons, of course, are, are nuclear weapons, and they have the potential to kill a couple hundred million Americans, according to uh, the Congressional um, EMP, task, EMP uh, uh, Commission's report in, in 2008. And, uh, you know, it, it, it was thanks in part to this increased uh, threat level that the, that, uh, the Utah uh, EMP Task Force uh, was able to work with the Utah State Legislature uh, to pass this um, landmark uh, grid resilience bill. And what it would do is it would create a, a grid resilience committee that would work um, with uh, both the state legislature and, and power companies here in Utah to uh, come up with concrete recommendations as to what exactly we need to do to harden our critical our, our critical infrastructure, primarily our um, electrical power grid against uh, EMP cyber and, and super solar storms that pose an existential threat to our way of life and could collapse the U.S. government in a matter of days or weeks. Um, and uh, just as in Colorado, the idea is to have, you know, due to our inaction at the, at the national level in Congress uh, and in the executive branch, uh, we can have these islands of power so that, uh, you know, if the national grid went down, then, then Utah and Colorado and any other states that harden their grid uh, could have working power and could remain islands of civilization. Uh, you know, as uh, as the rest of the country goes down. So, um, you know, we were, we were really happy about getting uh, Governor Cox here to, to sign that bill. It, it just late last month uh, was a, it was a tremendous success uh, for uh, both the Utah EP Task Force and, and the EMP Task Force uh, at the national level as well. So, David, if if this all happened, we would see a lot of refugees from Colorado going to Utah if we can't get our act together over here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and vice versa. If you guys were able to harden your grid before before we did, um, so. But you know, the idea is to have. Right now, there's just not a lot of hope. There's not a lot of hopeful signs for our ability to survive this. You know, an existential EMP or super solar storm event. And uh, the more states we can get to, uh, you know, to follow. Um, you know, our lead and, and Colorado's lead and, and being so close to get this uh, legislation, um, you know, signed, uh, the better off our country and our, and our citizens will be. So David Pine, uh, Colorado Representative Tanya Van Beber, Van, yes, Van Beber, I got it right, is in studio and we talked about this piece of legislation that she's introduced that we hope to get passed here. Um, it's remarkable to me that, first of all, there hasn't been the political will to do something about this. But this legislation, both of these things take time, and yet the threat is immediate. And I'm very concerned about that, David. That is a huge concern. Uh, we're way behind the power curve. You know, at this point, um, you know, I, I, I'm a writer um, on the net. You know, um, I write on the national interest. I have my own Substack website. I, I do interviews, uh, you know, a couple interviews at least a week uh, for uh, radio and podcasts. And, um, you know, the, at this point, um, you know, I'm trying to, to identify the, uh, the solutions that, are, that we can implement in the next six months to a year. I mean, this, uh, what we're doing here in Utah could take at least, would take at least four years to fully implement to harden the grid, according to our estimates. And so what we need to do is we need to uh, alert our uh, U.S. policymakers to pursue diplomatic solutions to end, end all the conflicts we have with Russia and China to buy us the time we need 
uh, to take these measures to uh, protect our citizens. Because, you know, if, if there was an EMP event before we were to, to harden the grid and, and not even have a single state that has a hardened grid, um, you know, where would our refugees go? You know, it's, uh, it's a very daunting uh, situation and unprecedented. Well, you mentioned this administration. What about the Trump administration? Did they do anything on this? They did. And, and uh, the Trump administration, you know, President Trump was the, the best uh, uh, president we've ever had on the EMP level. He was really the only president, you know, to go beyond hardening our, our uh, you know, our weapon systems and Air Force One and uh, military command and control uh, against EMP. Um, so he, he passed a, an EMP um EMP executive order, which thankfully the Biden administration, you know, they considered rescinding it, but they, they have not. So we have, but uh, we still have that in place. Um, it does a lot in terms of planning uh, and readiness for our, for our government agencies, but what it doesn't do is it doesn't provide a dime of, uh, of money to harden the grid um, at any level. Uh, so that's really yeah. the missing piece. We've, we've, had, we've had some good uh, legislation in, in Congress, uh, you know, the SEPA, uh, Critical Infrastructure Protection Act, um, did did some good and implemented some of the solutions that, that we wanted, but we, we still don't have any funding. Uh, and we estimate we, need a, we would need about $30 billion to fully harden the grid at the national level. And what that translates to is about $98 per, per citizen. So you can kind of get a, get a, a reasonable idea of, of what... Uh, you know, EMP hardening is, is going to cost, at least for the, for the grid itself. Did you say it was $30 billion to harden the national grid? Yeah. That's, that's not, a, that's, 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 that's chump change compared to all the money yeah. that they have been printing, David Pine. It is. I mean, we were talking about a five point, and, you know, until months ago, we were talking about a $5.1 trillion socialist spending bill that Biden was trying to, to pass through through Congress. Uh, that would have, you know, greatly increased the inflation level uh, far beyond what we're experiencing right now. Um, but obviously, I, you know, and we passed, a, we actually passed a, um, an infrastructure bill that was, I think, about 1.2 or 1.5 uh, trillion. And there's no reason why we couldn't have put that 30 billion in there and started the clock, uh, you know, ticking to, to get to the the two to four year mark where we've we've fully accomplished this for the American people to, you know, to protect our way of life and ensure that that uh, civilization, you know, that our country could be restored. At this point, you know, it, there's not a high likelihood that, that America could, could be restored as a country. We we might cease to exist for good. Oh, my gosh. Representative Van Beber, you look like you'd like to make a comment on this. Well, I do. I, when we, when you just brought up uh, President Trump being a supporter of this particular concern and this issue, this is exactly what happened in the substation just north of our home. And this is uh, one of those moments when uh, we found out, uh, and you can look at this, you can look it up on Google, you can find the article, um, but that, that, that hardware was put on, on those substations. They've been put on substations here in the U.S. It's public information. And he, President Trump created an executive order as well about that, where he, did, he made it so that uh, you could not purchase Chinese transformers in that executive order. Now, it's my understanding that ex- 
executive order under the Biden administration has been rescinded, which is incredibly unfortunate and, and frankly, um, inexcusable. Well, and what, the thought that keeps going through my head as we have this topic is it's inexcusable. We've gotten to this point with this much known threat across the nation in just about every way you can imagine, whether it's uh, ransomware, software, architectural engineering, man-made threats, and yet here we are. Dr. David Pine is correct. We have still not done anything. So yes, uh, the, the solutions are out there. For us to not pay pennies on the dollar to protect the general welfare of the public is really inexcusable. Well, there's a word that we haven't heard much anymore, but I've been dusting it off, and that is, this is really dumb. So <laughs> we're going to go to break. Uh, on the line with us is Dr. David Pine, uh, and he is uh, in Utah. He's, let's see, I have all, everybody's titles here. He is the... Deputy National Operations Director for the EMP Task Force on National and Homeland Security. He is also the legislative liaison at the national level. And that's John Spence he, uh, that just gave us that, and he is the Colorado director of the EMP Task Force. Colorado Representative Tanya Van Beber is in studio with me. We're going to have another segment with the three of us, a conversation about that. Then the last segment, Representative Van Beber and John Spence are going to stay on and uh, can answer questions. That's our call-in time, 303 303- 477-5600-303-477-5600, and that'll be at about the um, uh, 45 mark on the hour. And uh, we're going to go to break. We'll be right back with Dr. David Pine, John Spence, and Representative Van Beber. Inflation is rocking our boats, especially for individuals on fixed incomes. If you are 62 years or older, mortgage specialist with Polygon Financial Group, Lauren Levy, can help you navigate this inflation squeeze with a reverse mortgage. Additionally, if you are considering buying a new home, refinancing your existing home, or consolidating high interest debt, it's not too late to lock in an interest rate before interest rates increase again. Don't wait. Kim Munson recommends you call Lauren Levy today at 303-880-8881 for a no-cost consultation. That's Lauren Levy at 303-880-8881. All of Kim's sponsors are an inclusive partnership with Kim and are not affiliated with or in partnership with KLZ or Crawford Broadcasting. If you would like to support the work of the Kim Munson Show and grow your business, contact Kim at her website, KimMunson.com. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. I'm Kim Munson. Be sure and check out our website. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter there. You'll get first look at our upcoming guests, our most recent essays, podcasts. Uh, you can email me at Kim at KimBunson.com. And thank you to all of you who support us. It's because of my sponsors. It's because of you that our independent voice is on the air. In studio with me is Representative Tanya, Tanya Van Beber and John Spence. Uh, Tanya, Representative Von Beber, Van Beber. I'd like to get these names right. Representative Van Beber, you made a comment during the break that I think is important that people should hear because I left it with, this is really dumb that we haven't been taking care of this. You did. And and my response to you was, 
when we think about freedom versus force and what we need as the foundational needs of a society to continue forward, how do you protect freedom? You ensure that the foundational elements, water, electricity, oil and gas, those things that help things tick along are continued to be secure, that those are there for us, that that's protecting the general welfare of the public. And I said, you know what, Kim? Yes, you say it's dumb. I would counter with, this is, is it apathy? Is it incredibly misplaced priorities? I don't know the answer to that, but I do know it's highly concerning. And so I think about those two things. Uh, Are we busy? Yes, we are busy as a society. Are we too busy to take care of this kind of need? Absolutely, we should not be. And so again, I think it goes back to apathy, possibly misplaced place priorities uh but who knows what the answer is but the solution is here it's time to take care of it absolutely and and that's why we are putting this out here so that you listeners out there can engage with your friends your family and your colleagues so that they understand this threat it is irresponsible that mainstream media has not been on this it's irresponsible fortunately we have some very responsible people And John Spence is my friend. He is the Colorado director of the EMP task force. And uh, you have, again, thank you for putting together this amazing group of experts for this show today. Uh, Thank you, Kim. Are we going back to David now? Let's do. David, hey, uh, it's really glad to have you on the show. Uh, Maybe you could uh, talk a little bit. You know, people feel like, oh, Russia, China, North Korea, Iran aren't going to mess with the U.S. because of our... Uh, mutually assured destruction. But maybe you could talk about a little bit about the United States capability in terms of, the, of, uh, of a nuclear EMP or whatever compared to uh, our adversaries. So uh, first let me say that I think the highest, highest duty uh, of uh, our U.S. policymakers is to protect, preserve, and defend the United States of America and its uh, over 300 million citizens. Mm-hmm. And I think it's on. Uh, dereliction of duty at the highest level that they haven't done so uh, with regards to EMP or even really nuclear attack. So uh, currently, um, you know, a lot of people don't realize this, but uh, the, the, the balance, so-called balance of terror that existed during uh, the Cold War has really uh, gone away. We uh, Russia has uh, over uh, nearly four and a half times as many nuclear weapons as we do. Uh, they have about uh, twice as many, over twice as many strategic nuclear weapons, which are the numbers that really matter, um, than we do after completing a, a massive nuclear buildup uh, earlier this year. And then within two years, uh, China is set to greatly uh, overtake us in terms of strategic nuclear weapons as well. Uh, they'll have up to 5,000 uh, uh, strategic nuclear weapons, which uh, by comparison, the U.S. only, US has only 1,600. And our nuclear arsenal, unfortunately, is uh, is aging very rapidly. Uh, not only is it undersized, but it's very old. Uh, our nuclear warheads, uh, the newest ones we have at the strategic nuclear level, are, are 30 years old. Some are over 50 years old. Uh, you know, our, in terms of our delivery platforms, uh, the B-52 has been flying since I think uh, 1957 or 58. Uh, our, the oldest ones we have in service, I think, are 1961. Um, and, uh, you know, our Minuteman ice, three ICBMs were first deployed in 1970. Um, and then the, you know, our Ohio uh, ballistic missile submarines are, are the newest that have been, were deployed in the, in the 80s with the, uh, their war, trying to two warheads um, were produced uh, by the early, early 1990s. 
So we were, uh, again, we're way behind the power curve. Our enemies, uh, you know, deploy nuclear forces that are, uh, for the most part, have all been built within the last two decades. And uh, that's very important. They're also engaging in nuclear testing, uh, which we haven't done for uh, since 1992. Um, so there's, there's uh, a lot we need to do to restore uh, our nuclear deterrent. Um, and, you know, right now we... I fear that the credibility of our nuclear deterrent uh, may be insufficient to deter enemy nuclear and uh, super EMP attack. Um, so that's really that's really uh, the most important part of our defense budget is what we spend on missile defense, grid hardening, and uh, our nuclear deterrent because that's what protects us from uh, this kind of type of catastrophic or existential attack. We can have the most powerful conventional military in the world, and it wouldn't matter at all. Um, because uh, it could be destroyed in a day if our if the nuclear balance keeps uh, going in, in the wrong direction. Dr. David Pine, I'm looking out the window and I'm seeing Americans going up and down the roads, um, living their lives. And I think it's irresponsible that, that uh, our elected representatives have not, first of all, articulated what this threat is to everyday Americans and then had it f- front and center to do something about it, Dr. David Pine. Yeah, absolutely. And that's really what, you know, the purpose of the EMP task force is to educate the public and to educate our policy, inform our policymakers about the, the existence of this threat and, uh, and the extent of, of the danger and risk um, both in terms of likelihood and magnitude. And the likelihood, as I mentioned, is going up because, uh, let's say, Russia uh, does actually use, you know, Putin uses uh, tactical nuclear weapons in Ukraine. Uh, were the U.S. to respond in kind, uh, then we would cite, li- likely see an escalation of, you know, from a, a, the tactical nuclear level to uh, the strategic nuclear level. And that would involve, uh, likely involve a decapitation strike in Washington, D.C., as well as a limited counterforce attack against a large portion of our strategic uh, nuclear deterrent, uh, as well as an EMP attack. And so, uh, you know, again, we live in a very dangerous world, and, and what we need is immediate action. And so we provided the resources, um, you know, as, as John Spence has stated, at our EMP Task Force website at EMPTaskForce.us, and there you can find, you know, your, your listeners can find uh, the opportunity to volunteer, to, to serve as volunteer leaders of the task force uh, in every state. Uh, we have leaders in, in most every state, but not all. So, um, you know, volunteers are, are greatly appreciated. We we also have, uh, you know, a place where you can donate to the task force because we are a, uh, a nonprofit. We're, uh, we are a congressionally authorized board, but we, um, you know, we are have mostly unpaid staff, uh, so donations would be uh, greatly uh, appreciated. And then there's a lot of resources, uh, primarily from Dr. Peter Pry, who's our executive director. He's uh, published uh, some, somewhere around uh, 20 books uh, available on Amazon, and then uh, a wealth of articles that he and I have, have published um, on our website. That um, uh, that it's I think it's important that your listeners um, you know share share the links to those, uh, and actually you can download um, uh, one of my latest reports and also Dr. Pry's reports um, on the on the EMP and, and nuclear threat that you can share with uh, members of Congress, 
as well as your state legislators. Okay. And uh, they, uh, we can also find you on Substack. It's dpine, that's D-P-Y-N-E, uh, dot substack.com, correct? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's all my latest articles. So. Okay, okay. Uh, Dr. David Pine, uh, we're going to go to break here shortly, and we'll be taking Collins uh, after that. But how would you like to button up this segment uh, with you here? Well, I just want to thank you for for having uh, having us on the show. I, it's uh, you know it's, it's opinion leaders and and uh, you know talk show hosts like you that help us to get the word out. You know we can only do so much uh, you know with our our networks, but we we really need the cooperation of, of the media to, to help us get the message out to alert the American people about the threat so we can provide you know with bottom-up pressure to uh, to, to code our and incentivize our leaders uh, to act uh, and with the understanding that, that if they don't they, we can vote them out of office so I, I appreciate that well I'm convinced that it is the grassroots it's the everyday people of America that's going to save America and dr. David Pine I so appreciate you joining us Thank you. Thanks a lot. And John Spence, uh, before we go to break, this letter uh, that is on the uh, EMPTaskForce.us website is so important. Again, tell people what they can do. It doesn't take very long. And we can't be apathetic about this. Uh, That's right. And uh, we really need the public support right now going into the hearings. The hearings are coming up fast. and We only have a couple uh, weeks before the hearings are probably going to occur. And like I say, the legislature adjourns May 11th. So if we don't get it done by then, it's not going to get done this session. And, uh, you know, we really need to uh, protect the the American people. And this legislation specifically will protect the infrastructure in Colorado and protect uh, Colorado citizens. And it takes time to get it done, so we need to start now. Right. And Representative Tanya Van Beber, you are pushing this legislation through. I am. Yep. I'm proud to do so. And I uh, will just keep plugging away until we make sure that this hits committee. And God willing, we'll get it to the House floor and the Senate chamber and the governor will sign this into law. And this is what representative government does, is they actually do things for the people. And I'm thrilled you're both going to stay in studio. Uh, the next segment is our call-in segment, 303-477-5600, 303-477-5600. I want to hear what's on your radar. We've talked about a lot of things. We talked about the Senate Bill 153. Of course, we've really focused on national security and our electric grid security on the show as well. But I want to hear from you, 303-477-5600. We'll be right back. The Metro home ownership real estate market is very tight right now. That's why Kim Munson recommends you have seasoned Remax realtor Karen Levine on your side of the table. Karen Levine will help you navigate through the many details of your home buying experience so that you can successfully pursue your American dream. Because Karen Levine cares about property rights for each individual, she volunteers hundreds of hours to represent home ownership opportunities at the local, county, state, and national levels. If you are considering buying or selling your home, call Karen Levine today at 303-877-7516. Again, that's 303-877-7516. You'd like to get in touch with one of Kim Munson's sponsors, but you can't recall their phone number. Find a full list of advertising partners on Kim's website, kimmunson.com. That's Kim, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. 
Welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. I am Kim Munson. Be sure and check out our website. That is Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter there. You can email me at Kim at Kim com as well. I appreciate each and every one of you and your support. Uh, this has been a very important show. Actually, they're all really important shows because we work to to bring truth and clarity to these issues by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. If uh, something's a good idea, you shouldn't have to force people to do it. Uh, John Spence, who is the Colorado director of the EMP task force, a friend of mine, has really brought this issue uh, to me regarding grid security. It kind of took me a little while to understand the importance of this, uh, John, but thank you for continuing to care about American people. And uh, Tanya Van Beber, uh, Representative Van Beber, you've got this legislation that uh, has been introduced, and hopefully we'll get this. It should have unanimous support. But we have Tom in Fort Collins. Uh, Tom in Fort Collins, what's on your radar? Good morning, Kim. Um, Kind of tie the two together here. I thought it was interesting that none of the establishment Republicans showed up to testify against that bill. They'd rather. And that was Senate Bill 153. The, the election yes, bill. Mm-hmm. That, is, that is correct. Uh, it's interesting that the, our state legislature would rather worry about trying to hide uh, election irregularities rather than worrying about something that could take the whole society down. Um, it was interesting that, you know, Christy uh, did, was so adamant that we were not going to have paper backups at the uh, assembly. So there's, a, you know, to me, that's another establishment Republican. Where was she? Why wasn't she down testifying against that bill? Well, that's that's really a question that I had, Tom, in Fort Collins, is that we did not see anyone from the Colorado GOP nor any of the establishment Republican operatives there. And uh, to your point, we've got this issue that has been the can's been kicked down the road regarding the security of our grid. And uh, we're messing around uh, with with uh, this whole election um, bill that uh, the Senate Bill 153 that basically centralizes the power and control of our elections within one office under one person. And that's so antithetical to the American idea. And to your point, Tom, we've got bigger things that we should be con- con- uh, concerned about. Uh, any final thought, Tom? Exactly. Well, the the establishment, I think, is they're they're very content being in the minority as long as they're staying in the gravy train. I mean, we saw that clear back, and this has been going on with the Republican Party here in Colorado for a number of years. We saw it back when uh, Bob Beaupre brought in dark money through the Colorado Pioneer Action Committee to uh, sink Tom Tancredo, and we end up with Hickenlooper. So I'm thinking, you know, the difference between a Hickenlooper Colorado and a Tom Tancredo Colorado would have been night and day, and I think we'd be in a whole different place had that been. But we have Republicans, the, you know, sinking the uh, inappropriate Republicans, if you will. And I think we saw that at the assembly again, how Christie was adamant she was not going to have paper ballots. If she would have done what a true parliamentarian does, you would have said we have a motion from the floor. This is what the motion is, and this is how we're going to vote on it. She did not do that. She confused everybody and, and then said, oh, we took a vote on it. It's done deal. What is remarkable to me, Tom in Fort Collins, down at the state GOP assembly, is that many of the grassroots candidates 
uh, did end up being very successful. So, for example, Greg Lopez, running for governor, got top line. Tina Peters, uh, running for Colorado Secretary of State, got over 60% of the vote. Uh, Ron Hanks uh, became the only Senate candidate making it out of assembly. And he will he will be up against um, uh, uh, um, a, uh, a candidate who, uh, as, as you look at the funding on that, would be um, probably more over in the Republican establishment arena. So it's remarkable to me, Tom, that these grassroots candidates made it through assembly so successfully. And I think the reason is, is because there were so many first-time uh, delegates to the assembly that there was that success, Tom. Yes, ma'am. I would agree, but I just I am concerned that the, the establishment will bring in the dark money at the at the eleventh hour just to, to sink the grassroots people. It's it's they want to be in the in the ruling class and the grassroots be damned. It's not about the people. It's about maintaining their gravy train, and I don't know how would how best to point them out other than get on shows like yours and and throw a few. Uh, throw a few tomatoes at them. Okay. Tom, I want you to stay on the line. I want to offer up, uh, we could probably take two or three more calls, 303-477-5600, 303-477-5600. But Tom, I want to talk a little bit about open primaries here in Colorado. And I was starting to pay attention. And so the open primary, I think it was an initiative that was put on the ballot. And um, I looked at it and I, th- I was very concerned about that because a lot of people are, are not that informed on what is really happening. They have a duty to become informed, but many people are influenced by uh, mainstream media. And open primaries, meaning that unaffiliated voters can vote in either the Democrat or the Republican primary, I saw as really big danger. And it could set up what you just, just described, is that it could knock out the uh, conservative grassroots candidate uh, that really would be the choice of, for example, Republicans in Colorado. So the way this works is, and think about the cost of this, to send out all these ballots, mail-in ballots. Uh, actually, Colorado was one of the first states to uh, put mail-in ballots in place. And um, it's extremely expensive. But they don't really care about expense. I really think that these open primaries is put in place to knock out the conservative candidate. Your final thought on that, Tom, because we've got a uh, another call behind you. That, that is entirely what the uh, idea is. The, the Democrats are lockstep. They will do as their sheep. The Republicans, especially with the grassroots, are like trying to herd cats. So <laughs> this is this is purposeful. And and the the establishment Republicans, including Christie, in my mind, are behind this, and it's purposeful. You can look at you can look at our national level. We have the Lindsey Graham's and the uh, what's his name Turtle that have been there for how many eons? Yet they're multimillionaires. How do you become a multimillionaire on one hundred seventy-four thousand dollar a year salary? Well, I'd like to know. <laughs> so, hey, Tom in Fort Collins, thank you so much. We've got some other callers here. Yvonne in Fort Collins, thank what's you. on your radar? 
Good morning, Kim. I was just um, obviously amazed at this program of yours on EMP. This is such, such important information. And I wanted to let your audience know that on May 4th, I believe that's Wednesday, May 4th, um, Perspectives 101 will be having a presentation on EMP, a live presentation on EMP in Loveland at Message of Life Ministry. And, and if people um, have questions about that, they can email perspectives one oh one dot info at gmail dot com. Okay, one more time. What is that, Yvonne? Um, again, a, a pre- live presentation on EMP and the importance of it at Perspectives One Hundred One in Loveland, Colorado, at Message of Life Ministries. Information you can get at perspectives one oh one dot info at gmail. Okay, for more information there. Yes, I know that's going to be a great presentation. And Perspectives 101, is you're doing such great work with that. Thank you. Okay, and we have Don. I think we have Don, or we did. Don in Rangeley, uh, Colorado. Do we still have him, Producer Steve? Oh, we lost him. So Don out there, 303-477-5600. If you can call back, we've got uh, probably time for one caller, 303-477-5600. Hopefully he will uh, call back. But uh, John Spence, there is something interesting happening up in Rangeley, Colorado. Oh, that's right. Uh, They just got uh, money from the National Infrastructure uh, Act uh, to fund a microgrid in Rangeley, Colorado. And, uh, you know, we have microgrids uh, other places in the country, for example, Red Feather Lakes and so forth, but they're not protected against EMP. Well, they intend to get expertise from the um, uh, people that have done this for the military that know how to protect uh, infrastructure, and they intend to uh, tap into that for the Rangeley project, uh, microgrid project. So uh, the intention is that it will be protected from EMP. And uh, we probably should do a show on microgrids then as well, shouldn't we, John Spence? Uh, well, that's a possibility. But I think, you know, what we have here with what uh, Tanya Van Beber is doing, you know, that, that can protect, you know, 90% of Coloradoans by, uh, by uh, protecting the electric grid in Colorado. Microgrids are very focused and they're smaller. Uh, and, and they make sense, you know, for uh, rural communities, which uh, might not be protected right away by this other endeavor uh, to have protected microgrids in rural communities, maybe even as a backup for critical infrastructure in case uh, the electric grid uh, isn't functioning, then you have, uh, because a microgrid, if it's not protected and the, the electric grid goes out, it'll go out too. Okay. Okay. John Spence, thank you so much for organizing all of these experts for this show. Uh, you're very welcome. I'm glad to do it. Okay. And we might very quickly, we might try to have... If that's Don from Rangeley, we'll try to give him a minute. Um, Time is clicking along here. Uh, Tanya Van Beber, thank you. Thank you for caring about the people of Colorado. This is what representatives are really supposed to be doing. I agree. It's it's time to get this done. Okay. And people can help you by going to emptaskforce.us, right? EMP. That's right. right. And the other thing about this legislation, which hasn't been done before, it's taken the technology from the military sector who knows how to protect their infrastructure from EMP um, and applying it to the civilian sector. So it's it's transferring that knowledge. Okay, we're going to try one more caller. Rusty and Conifer, we've got just about 45 seconds. What's on your radar? Have one question. Why is any critical system 
the electric grid, water, anything like that, why is it connected to the Internet at all? <laughs> well, I, that's, a, that, that's the million-dollar question, Rusty. We will leave that out there. Thank you so much for joining us. Yep. Okay. Representative Tanya Van Beber, thank you. Thank you, Kim. John Spence, thank you for caring about the people of Colorado and the people of America. I know we have other callers trying to get in uh, tomorrow. Uh, hold those thoughts, and we'll have that tomorrow. Uh, we're out of time. But the quote for the end of the show is this from Thucydides. said, the strong do what they have to do, and the weak accept what they have to accept. So today, my friends, be grateful, read great books, think good thoughts, listen to beautiful music, communicate and listen well, live honestly and authentically, strive for high ideals, and like Superman, stand for truth, justice, and the American way. My friends, you are not alone. God bless you, and God bless America.